0: So from like a military aspect, there was several different styles of leadership. I enjoyed the guys that would be there with you and they wouldn't yep. just bark orders, but would be there with you. Right. So like when my, when we're over, when we're like, uh, we've did a massive sale, I'm out there packing boxes with my guys. Yeah. I don't have to Should I could hire four more people, but it's principle. Yeah. My guys yeah. are out. I'm not going to ask them to work later if I'm not going to stay myself. Yeah.
1: What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. And um, today we have Colin Wayne with us, and we are actually here in D.C. right now for the Military Influencer Conference. And we just got back from dinner. We've had a lot of conversations, but it's, it's time to take it to the podcast, man. I know we've been connected for... I think over a little over a year now and we've been following each other on social media and I've been following your journey and we have a lot of mutual friends, so I'm definitely super excited for having you on, man. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, dude. Thank you for dinner, first of all, (laughs) and uh, I appreciate it. Dude, I'm stoked that you texted me last night saying, hey, I'm going to be at the D.C. uh, Military Influencer Conference. Would love to connect. uh, you know, like you said, we've been trying to get in contact together, and we've done some live streams, but yep. this has been something long awaited for the last 12, 13, months, so I'm definitely <laughs> for sure. stoked for this. I yeah. appreciate
1: it, man. And It's funny, so literally for those who are wondering, Military Influencer Conference, I want to kind of give some context on this, but... Last night, Dennis Yu hit me up, me and Kieran O'Brien, and uh, we flew out last second on a red-eye flight to D.C. Super last minute for us, and then I was on the website. I saw you were speaking, and me and Kieran were like, all right, yeah, we definitely got to be there. Got to get him on the podcast. For, for So for those who are listening... This was a very unintentional, unplanned trip, so for those listening, make sure you take advantage of this and stay tuned for it. So, But before we get into your story, man, I'd love for you to give some context into the current situation of right now. Military Influencer Conference, obviously you were in the military. I'd love for you to touch on that part of it and obviously explain um, the conference you're speaking at just to give some context on it.
0: Yeah, so um, so I served in the military from 2006 to 2013. Uh, I was actually one of the youngest staff sergeants in the military outside of Special Forces and like Rangers. Um, so served in three combat tours. So one that was in Egypt, Operation Bright Star, Iraq in 2009, 2010, and then Afghanistan in 2012, where ironically, I was injured. I got blown up in a gym. Uh, by a 107 millimeter rocket and i say ironically in a gym because after i transitioned out of the military i went into fitness modeling so i almost get killed in a gym wow. and then i use that as um almost like fuel and start using that into where the gym almost killed me but also saved my life from a psychological standpoint so yep um, uh, where most people would put it and flip the script where that's crazy. you know I'm afraid to go in here because this almost killed me. I used it as the reverse and okay. used it to leverage myself. Where I transitioned out of the military in 2013 and um, started doing fitness modeling and used social media before there was like massive like before there was an algorithm. Yep, and um, used that as leverage to get pretty much anything that I wanted. Yeah, uh, So that brought me to where we're at right now, right? Yep, Redline Steel. I know we want
1: to to bring that up. So for those who don't know, he's the CEO of Redline Steel. And obviously I want to talk about the military aspect and your background. But bring us current to the company that you've been building for the last three years, really hardcore. Because I think regarding fitness and social media, it really brought you to what this point is in your life. So I'd love for – just to give context before – so for the first couple of minutes of the show, Redline Steel, talk about your business real quick. Bring them current so that they know who, who you are and what business you you built.
0: Yeah, so Redline Steel is a company that I created in 2016. So June of 2016 was our e-com, our website launch. Um, since then, we've uh, grossed well over $40 million in revenue and have shipped over 4.2 million products. Wow. Um, we're on track to have over a million customers by the end of the year, and that's just within three years as an e-commerce platform. So yeah. what we do to kind of let let everyone know, we manufacture a wall art decor made out of steel, and then we also uh, about 10 months ago launched other product ranges from Canvas and Candle products, and we're also looking into other um other products to stretch lifetime value of those customers that are coming in. So.
1: Uh, that's so cool, man, and I definitely want to touch on that, but just really just to, I guess, start it off. I know um, you live in Alabama now. I want to kind of bring it back to majority of people that are listening, Rise the Young, a lot of young entrepreneurs are just getting started. Maybe they're 17, they're 16, they're 19, they're getting out of school, they might go to college. And for you, throughout your journey, I'd love for you to just give some context in, to where you're from and your background as a kid. Like, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family? How did you decide to go to the military? And just bring us to your childhood and yeah. what really brought you to this point in your life. So
0: guys, like, like a lot of mainstream America, I was born and raised in a split home. Mom and dad were divorced. Um, I come from an entrepreneur background, so my mom was a professional photographer, just a solo entrepreneur, right? She didn't work for someone else, she worked for herself. Yep. And before uh, there was digital cameras, 35 millimeter was, was really big, and, and so now everybody's a photographer. Yeah. But 20 years ago, that wasn't the case, so I was around that. And my dad, right when the internet was booming, or right when it was starting, 1999, 1998, um, he started to, he created a company called Business Needs, And it took off. Uh, You're selling like copiers, fax machines, all that type of stuff. But it was I was kind of around it, but they didn't like educate me on it. If that makes sense. So I was like surrounded by it, but I wasn't intrigued by it. It was just the norm. Yep. Um, So I had an older brother, and he's he served 13 years in the military. He was a captain. Um, I've got a younger sister, and um, she is married. They're both married now. But um, I kind of have a lot of layers to me so by saying that i was kicked out of my mom's house at 16 i wasn't a bad kid but i just didn't listen i didn't like authority as far as like my family my mom telling me what to do who to hang out with when to do it oh you're grounded and i walk out the front door so i just didn't listen but with that being said i did phenomenal in the military right i made staff sergeant e6 in six years so it's very 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 fast um i I did have a good childhood they yeah. they raised me you know i was as in a i'd say uh lower middle class i uh-huh. guess you know we we never went without, but we didn't yep. if mom was on a diet, freaking everybody was on a diet <laughs> that type of thing yeah. and uh you know uh but we we did have a good childhood at the end of the day, so um it's I don't know. It, it was good. It was, uh, and then I joined the
1: military at 17. Yeah. So that's... So, yeah. Literally you joined. You said um, you dropped out of dropped high school. Dropped out at 16. You dropped out at 16. Yeah. What was the purpose of dropping out? So when I
0: got kicked out of my mom's house and moved with my dad, I I was with a schedule with a school system that was a block period, so four periods, and okay. then it went to seven periods. And so, because of that conflict, it was going to hold me back an entire year. Okay. Now, I was already held back once in first grade, and so I was already kind of one of the oldest ones in my class. Now I would be two years ahead of everyone, yeah so I'd be like 19 years old and graduate high school, so I was like, <laughs> screw this you know now I'm like technically a sophomore, but I should have been a junior, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and just get out completely, I'll get my GED and then join the military, and that's exactly what I did i Dropped out at a couple of days before my 17th birthday. So technically I was 16. Okay. Um, and then joined the military a few days after my 17th birthday.
1: What was like, um, like that transition moment of like going to the military? What was your mindset then? Like obviously now it's like you – You're running a business and you're crushing the industry and you come from a background of entrepreneurship but like moving into the military like was it something that you were like looking forward to were you excited about it or like what was the current state of mind were you excited about the future did you have goals set for after the military or like going in there like what were you expecting as an outcome for your future
0: yes that's a good question um I've always had high expectations for what I could do. Um, I was always looking ahead. So that's why I ranked up as soon as I could. I was yep. always going to schools ahead of time. Um, anything that I could do to progress. Like I went to basic SWAT school down in Fort Bliss, Texas. Yep. Uh, there was um, a non-commissioned officer course, NCO courses like uh, PLDC and BNOC and ANOC. And uh, I was going through these schools prior as soon as i was eligible i would go to them and yep. it wasn't I, I, here's the thing this is super important guys i didn't wait for leadership to tell me hey you need to go and do this i would go to them okay. so so here's the big takeaway direct approach anything that you want so i knew for me i didn't want to just be a staff sergeant yep. i wanted to be a sergeant major or i want to be the highest fucking rank that i could be yep. So what can I do to make that happen? Well, I've got to take that initiative and that due diligence to say, all right, I finally am eligible. What can I do to make sure that I get in that school slot? Yep. And so I would go to my training NCO and say, hey, get me slotted for this. What can I do? What do I need to do to get slotted for this? Yep. And so that's how I was always ranking up before anybody else is because I would I would take the initiative and proactive, not reactive, but proactively say, This is what's going to help me get out on top. And that's exactly what I
1: did. That that makes so much sense. And something I I want to touch on because our our conversations tonight at dinner and prior to that, you you always talked about the phrase like autobiography, right? You have these chapters in your life and you've, you've opened them and you closed them and you've moved on to fitness, which we'll get into, and now running a business. So like that chapter in your life, like what would you say from the military I personally haven't been in the military and I want to know from you and I'm sure other people's would as well, like what was the biggest takeaway from that? You know, was it the mentality? Was it the, the habits? Was it the discipline? Like yeah. what would you say looking back over those six years was like the biggest takeaway that you'd want to give to somebody that wants to maybe know what it's like to be in the military?
0: So I attribute a lot of my success based on the core principles and values that the military attributed. So I would say like, the, the seven core values, right? So that's loyalty, duty, respect, honor, integrity, personal courage, selfless service. So those are your seven primary values. I mean, you can instill any of those core attributed values into a business and you're yeah. going to be super successful. Um, and so that would be my biggest takeaway is just taking those core values and instilling that into the principles of, of your work ethic into yep. You know, never leaving a fallen comrade behind, never leaving a fallen soldier behind. So yep. those those principles that were like instilled, ingrained from day one are the same principles that I would do right now in, in a business that I care for lead from the front. Yeah. Those simple things, those same um, you know, we have sayings in the military like um what is it? Like uh there's there's so many, bro. I, I'm having like withdrawals <laughs> you know? on how many that there are. But those those key sayings that, um, from the military that I I contribute a ton of my success on the entrepreneur side. So, yeah. yeah. What,
1: what would you say, like Colin? Colin going into the military at 17 and then walking out at 23. Yeah. Like the different person you were and the different character you embodied at 23 to 17. Like what do you say to someone, maybe if someone's listening and they're in the military, because I wanna, obviously we're here at the conference, you're speaking at a military conference tomorrow, and I just wanna make sure people get this part of your story out there, and I'm sure there's people listening that maybe they have family in the military, or maybe they're about to go into it, or maybe they are into it, like what would you tell someone just about to step into the military, maybe they're 18, 19 years old? Yeah, so,
0: so I was a recruiter,
1: um, most people join
0: for about five different reasons. One is they they join for adventure. They either join for uh, education, uh, for the free benefits. Yep. They join for um, maybe a family history, or they join for uh, like a career. They have no other destination. Yep. This just made like logical sense. Yep. So you like find your purpose, find why you want to do it. For me, like I enjoyed the aspect of adventure and not knowing what was ahead. And so Mm -hmm. when I mentioned I did those three tours, what a lot of people don't know is that I volunteered for all of them. I had to like literally leave the company I was with and join another battalion or another brigade to actually go on these deployments. And whereas most people weren't looking to get deployed to (laughs) Iraq and, you know, but I was, I wanted to put that chapter into that autobiography so that at the end of the day, I can tell my grandkids one day, this is what I did. I did, you know, over 150 combat missions in Iraq as a gunner and I did this and I was able to, you know, all of these different things. So I would figure out like what it is that you want to accomplish. And, And then in addition to that, guys, like think about the... Like, in the moment, think about what this can do for your long term. Like, Mm -hmm. I got a security clearance out of being with the military. You know, that's like a $50,000. Now I could take this and work with massive companies like Lockheed Martin and NASA and Raytheon and, um, you know, Northrop Grumman. There's so many companies that I could take this just because I got a security clearance. And go and walk in the front door and they're going to give you options to work with this company yeah and when you're 23 like Shit. and without a degree <laughs> as a high school dropout yeah, like, yeah. there's not a lot of options to begin with but because of the military and what it could contribute for you so like when I was a recruiter um, I got I got three people into UAV pilots and so they get a top secret security clearance mm-hmm. and so I, that was my biggest pitch to them they didn't they didn't know anything about the UAV side well I was like okay like look this is going to get you so much value. When you yep. leave this, you're going to be able to take these same, this same resume and instill it into the, and now you're going to make six figures yeah. easily at like yeah. 22 years old, 23, 24 years old, and be able to do that. And you don't need a degree. And you can take that same clearance, but use it to the embetterment of your life. Yeah. And so like, what I would say is anybody trying to join, like, look at things that like that right I was a military police officer so I got a I got a secret clearance not a top secret but you know thinking of things like that what type of occupational skill can I join in the military it's going to translate to what I also want to do and if it's not what I want to do because maybe that jobs not available I don't know you know there's there's there there may be something that you that's just not available through the military at that time because that does happen a lot but then look at it from what is gonna better me in the future yeah that makes sense so, so, so,
1: ahead. so for you moving out of the military you, you said that one story I want to touch on that real quick the gym you said there was what was it called exactly again the type of missile or bomb yeah, that 107 millimeter was, rocket so it was about a 4 foot rocket okay. so I want to know like that situation like before we move on that's obviously something a, a touching point in your life and like how did that go down like what, what was the, the story of that you know because I think that's something in a gym obviously no one was there besides you and their, your crew like walk us through what it was like that day and what you when you, when you understood what happened like what was your takeaway from that like yeah. leading to the next chapter of your journey which we'll get into yeah so that was hard man um may 3rd
0: 2012 that was the day that it happened um it was it was night so it was dark out uh we have a blackout fob uh it was very very small They all, it could almost be considered like a cop so for those in the military, it's contingency outposts. So it's a very, very small base. Less than 100 people on the entire base. Super, super Got small. Um, my my gym was not like a standardized gym. It was literally like a single wide trailer that was cut in half. Okay. It was very, very small. Um, there was no... It was, it was concrete cylinders that were around the base. Uh-huh. But then it had just a wood roof. So Holy there's not shit. like... Nothing that would like – so the bomb came in through the roof, okay. obviously. It was shot in. So when you think about where I was in Afghanistan, it was a small base called Bob Boris. They shut the base down because it was very, very deadly. Okay. Um, a ton of – actually, I'm not saying a ton of people. A lot – let's say one-tenth of the base through the, I think, five and a half years that it was a base, Bob Boris. Um, I think around ten people got killed. Wow. Based on my math. Yeah. So not good odds. Not when you think there's 100 people on this base yeah. during that duration. For, but that's also during yeah. a five-year period. So it's only about you know, you know, about two a year, which yeah. is still horrible. Pack, so we wow. were right on the Pakistan border. And I haven't really told this story a lot, so you're kind of getting an exclusive. So Appreciate Bob it. Boris um, was right on the Pakistan border. So I know you can't see my hands, but we're kind <laughs> of, I'm showing uh, Casey right now. So if my base was right here, think of uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan mountain ranges all going around and we were basically a horseshoe. So okay. my base was at the center. It was a horrible geographic place <laughs> oh my Lord. because for us we were getting shot on a daily basis. Guys, while my while I was on this base, our base got overran three times. No way by Taliban. I swear to God. literally Taliban run on, into the base on our base. Oh my Taliban gosh. on our base and only 100 people on the base. So we had V bids, vehicle borne IEDs, um, every day there was rockets there so they they call it um there's fighting seasons. So like spring and fall yep. were the biggest fighting seasons. When it gets winter in Afghanistan, it's very it's almost impassable. And so there's not a ton of movement. From, and then what ends up happening on the Taliban side, they'll, they'll flee to Pakistan. But because we're right on that border, it's not a lot for them to travel on. Yeah. So I was there during, like, this happened May 3rd. So it was right during that, that, yeah. that spring, spring, almost into summer time frame. Uh, but these mountains are impassable. Yeah. They're like when we flew into the base it's only through helicopters oh wow uh yeah it's it's they're very it's very very difficult from a terrain perspective to get yeah. from one place to the other so we yeah. were flying blackhawks and wow um but it's, and you're
1: 20 22 20, yeah, exactly. 21 years old at the time 22. yes that's, that's just that, that's that is yeah. insane. But it was right, so, it was crazy, man. So May
0: 3rd, 2012, yep. I was in a gym. It was about 7.30
1: p.m. Like, in the gym working out, or like what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I was working gym? out. There okay. were three other people with me. Okay.
0: Um we heard the IDF alarm siren go off, so you could hear like womp,
1: womp. Does womp. that mean like bombs approaching? Incoming incoming. Okay.
0: So our radar system would detect that there's incoming threats. And so it alerted us that there was an incoming threat. And so I was near the. Um, there was a machine that I was on, which was towards the end. There was two. I looked at it as like so. The there was concrete on the sides, and there was two doors. So you had a front entrance and an exit. Yep. Um, my thought process was: as soon as I heard the alarms, I'm gonna go to the middle and just lay down. Oh my gosh! So because it's a small building. Yeah. Bro, yeah. The, room, the suite we're in right now, it's about the size of this room. The whole gym. The whole gym. Okay. There's, tiny like okay. it was like when i say like it's the size of a single wide trailer cut in half like it's about what it is yeah so you didn't have a lot of you take 10 steps you're in the middle yeah like it's that's that's where we're at so i was on my way into uh, probably on my fourth or fifth step to get into the middle and you're a little you almost like got a jog at that yeah, point because yeah. you're trying to move fast you, you only have seconds until this thing could impact you don't know where it's going to go okay. it's Russian roulette you have yeah your, okay, okay we know that there's a rocket that's going to be somewhere on base, base. And our base isn't that big. So we know it's going to hit somewhere. And But this happened all the time. Yeah. So this wasn't like, oh, our first one. Like yeah. We were literally getting rocket attacked every day. So it was just like an instinct just to say, okay, another, another rocket. You know, okay. And, yeah. and let's just get in the middle and go down to the ground and hopefully yeah. nothing happens and that's it. So you just kind of pray at that point. Yeah. So definitely high adrenaline. Yeah. But it wasn't anything we weren't accustomed to mm-hmm. if that made sense. Nothing was necessarily out of the blue. Um, but on this case, it ended up hitting about three and a half feet from me, so
1: oh my it went
0: literally through the roof and um and impacted about three and a half feet from me, so when it impacted the I, I had a concussion, so I was blacked out, so I had, got treated for TBI. I had shrapnel that went all the way through my leg. No. Yeah. I almost lost it. No that. way. And had shrapnel to both arms. Um. L1, so it literally
1: hit three feet, and
0: that's where it I should exploded. be dead. Yeah, I should be dead, man. Wow. Seriously. So even the medics, I'll show you a picture. I know you can't see it on audio. We're going to have some video, so I'll, I'll try to show yeah, you guys yeah. what it actually looked like because it gives you like a very vivid picture. Wow. But, you don't um, tell the story often. No, I don't. No, but, uh, appreciate the, I appreciate the here, open but, yeah.
1: openness for sure. That's yeah. insane. So you. So from there, you therefore have to leave the military just due to injuries. No.
0: So I ended up getting
1: medevaced.
0: Um I got medevaced while we were incoming. So incoming rounds were, it was like blackhawk down. That's incoming so Incoming rounds are coming in. We were also artillery, so we were firing back at them into Pakistan. And then two Blackhawks come in, pick me up, and then go back and take me to three bases over, which was a base called FOB-OE, which is FOB-Oregon o- East. Um, and so then they start treating me and assessing me for wounds. Um, I ended up having pretty per- permanent ner- nerve damage in my back. I went through L3. We had lumbar block fusion surgery on my back, mm. but I had to do that stateside. Um, and they were concerned with my oxygen levels. And so um, I could even with the mask on, I was low 90s and they couldn't fit. So they wow. thought I had internal bleeding. And so they ended up, they didn't have equipment, they didn't have CT scans, they didn't have x-rays. This was literally another small base. like yeah. But where we were, it was basically like EMTs. And at this base they had like registered nurses. Yeah, yeah. And so then they needed to fly me priority with blackhawks to a, the biggest base in afghanistan called bob bagram mm-hmm. so it's bagram and so then they went and did testing on me um and i spent a week there at wow. that hospital and then um i recovered it wasn't so they ended up giving me too much morphine um i had no clue okay uh so it, it ends up restricting your um blood vessels and your your Something about about your blood vessel, it can't get yeah. oxygen to where it needs to be, and so even with O2, I couldn't get my oxygen where it needed. That's to an be. So insane story. It was story. crazy, man. You know, and obviously survived through the grace of God, and um, ended up going back to. Um,
1: now, I, I just want to touch on that real quick too before we move on. Like that's number one. He's never shared that really publicly, so I pr- I really appreciate yeah. that. And those listening, obviously, you can kind of see. The journey before we get into the business aspect, right? Because I think one of the things, right, maybe, maybe people follow you on social media or this is their first time coming across to you. I think it's, like, that story truly set the tone for who you are, how you approach business, how you approached weightlifting and, like, fitness. So it's, like, I really do appreciate you sharing that part of yourself because I'm sure that really shaped everything prior to that so I mean let's move on to more some positive stuff too so the fitness you were telling me at dinner you're like yeah I was on 50 magazine covers and I, and I say this because I'm sure you wouldn't just start with this but I think it's very impressive number one but number two it, it, it really was that next chapter that you said yes. following the military and I think just getting into that now I want to just really see like the transition from experiencing such a like a, a crazy altering life moment of having a bomb drove through the ceiling and you almost died to then becoming in the fitness space just shredded and on these magazine covers. Like, that's like two different lives, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, give, it, like, give us the, the transition period and like, give, tell us the story of how you got into that space and then obviously started making money there and really started to pursue that as a career. Like, what was the transition period from the military to then your fitness career?
0: Yeah, so good question. So um, I ended up transitioning out of the military and it wasn't because uh, my contract ended. I'm one of the few people that got a, a release for, um, shit, what's that one called? It's I said it in the car. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Change of Lifestyle. That's right. Yes, Change of Lifestyle. It. <laughs> and so what happened is while I was a recruiter, so I was a full-time recruiter when I got through with all my physical therapy, I transitioned and started a Facebook page. And I had no clue I was doing. Like fitness, model. I shot with a local photographer. Yeah. I was in a gym, working out and stuff. And the gym has been my passion for you know a decade at this point. I yeah. loved, lived and breathed the gym. And so I started a Facebook page and it went viral. And this is kind of like how I started into the entrepreneur space and out of yep. the military. So I transitioned out of the military. And at that point, I probably had... Around eight hundred thousand followers across social media. This is right out of the
1: military. I was still
0: in. Wow. I was still in. So you're so, building that
1: as like a side hustle while you're in the military. Yeah, but I had no clue
0: what I was doing. That's insane. So, like this is so again, guys, if you if you if you've listened from the very beginning, high school dropout, sixteen. Not I did I did do like two semesters in college, but I wouldn't even call it anything. Like, <laughs> it was like the easy classes. Yeah, yeah. And um, school was never for me but like I started to learn the back end of of the marketing side, it was very intriguing and so I transitioned from the military into trying to pursue fitness modeling and so that was kind of this next chapter and so the next chapter was I started to grow my social media not just on Facebook but also diversified into different platforms now this was a different era this yep. was not the era that we're in right now where it's very, very difficult yep. for penetration, like market penetration. So, this was a time where Facebook didn't even have paid ads and there were no algorithms. Yep. Um, so, I started to, I grew, my first 30 days with my Facebook page, we grew over 30,000 followers.
1: That's or, insane. I'm sorry, no, no,
0: no, no, no. 100,000 followers. 100,000. First 30 followers. days? First 30 days. Lost. i it. I'm just followers. like,
1: I'm posting on but Facebook. But I had no clue what I was yeah, doing. Times are so different. No clue. Yeah, it's
0: totally different. But like, dude, a hundred percent. So if, if this person saw uh, this post and they commented, it would be seen by everybody that liked that. Anybody yeah. that followed them. So it was unbelievable. It was a phenomenal yeah. time. So timing is more relevant than anything. Now, guys, here's your biggest takeaway with this: is Now's the time to start. Don't wait five years down the road. Don't wait 10 years down the road. Diversify and start scaling. New platforms that are coming on board, get on board right now, like as soon as possible.
1: I tell people that about TikTok, like the platforms that you may not know that are evolving or like something that you'd rather regret doing it and not it not becoming the next big thing than regret regret not doing it, it become the next big thing, you know? That yeah. sort of mentality. That's right, yeah. But like, what we are saying though is just like, that. the timing was obviously very important of mm-hmm. new platform, it's really early, you're on there, you start crushing it, 800,000 followers. How do you capitalize on that? And obviously having, hey, how can I start becoming a, like this fitness model to actually yeah. doing it? Like what was that, that journey and how long was it that you were doing it?
0: Yeah, so that was about seven, seven years ago, eight years ago, um, is before social influencers was even a thing. Yeah, like OG was, status. It was super OG, <laughs> bro. Like nobody nobody was doing this. Yeah. And so um, I kind of was pioneering this space without knowing it. Like yeah. you didn't, I didn't know what I was doing necessarily. It hadn't been done before me. Yep. So it was definitely like a blue ocean market, whereas right now it's super red. Yeah, like There's a 100%. ton of social influencers out there. And, and, and even like from an influencer perspective, now it's more, it's not sales driven, it's more brand awareness driven. And yep. like your vloggers, your, your guys that are on YouTube, those are going to get your most exposure now versus yep. somebody that just had an awesome Instagram page eight years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 everything is evolving and changing. Yep. So you have to change with it. Uh, but I was able to take what i've learned from the social side and i grew my personal brands to over 3.8 million followers to date and then what i did and i showed you at um, at at dinner is i started to grow other pages yep and so i grew pages within the fitness space that i could leverage um, so that when i would approach massive companies and acquire contracts with them i could use that as a leverage tool so then if i shared it Uh, Mm -hmm. on my personal page I could use this as a distribution source to get more eyeballs yeah so now I've got um, three pages in excess of over 4 million on that so now I have over what 7.8 million followers across my umbrella um, that now I can charge a premium for to other companies and leverage that to monetize and so but guys all of this was like there was an agenda it was just literally yep. like let me try it out. I wasn't doing it to monet I wasn't doing it to make money. It was yeah, yeah. it was literally like what made sense. And yeah. it was like logically, hey, this is working. Let me just keep doing it. Yeah. You know, and then and then share for shares were massive, you know, a couple years ago, 2 3 years ago, and and now it's like it's irrelevant. Yep. Don't don't do it. It's yeah. best to just collaborate with other people. They post a picture, you post a picture. Yeah. That's the best way for like a share for share now. Yeah. Whereas a couple of years ago, what was great was they would share your account and you could grow and it would work phenomenally. So, but what I did that was a little as an offset was I would leverage sharing them on the pages that I own that were not Colin Wayne branded and brand uh, where they would grow my page. I would share content for them and then they would share mine. Yeah. And so all of my pages would essentially grow my non branded and my personal page. Yeah, that's leverage. While keeping <laughs> mine from a branding perspective very, very. Um, clean and without showing that I'm endorsing all these other people and sharing them where on a daily basis I would be sharing two or three four other follower, uh, other uh, fitness influencers that had millions of followers yep. as well. While mine's continuing to grow, and it's page engagement for my other fitness pages, and it would just it would work in full
1: cycle. Got it. So that's super cool. So with with fitness and everything you did there, how did that evolve into something much bigger? Obviously, like I want I want to touch on the fact of like when you did cover after cover after cover you're shredded to then now having your own company and that being the primary focus meaning from hey i'm the person that's growing the following to then saying all right okay how can i actually figure out this whole back-end marketing platform and sell a product and or service to a customer online like bring us to now today yeah. from that transition period of yeah. the fitness industry because i think that obviously i want i want to dig into what you're doing now obviously which how have you've learned to get to where you are and i think people obviously get value from that so just bring us from the fitness space you're getting these contracts with big companies to now saying all right let me actually start redline steel and go all in like what was what was that tr- massive transition like so i think it
0: took everything that i accomplished for redline to be where it's at right now so me learning those chapters that's correct every chapter was very critical and i I don't think that redline would be successful without all of those chapters without me understanding the social side without me understanding like the power of social media and facebook and you know i didn't run a single ad before face before redline steel I didn't okay. know anything about it, but I learned it. I never hired a coach, Yep. Uh, no schooling, nothing, nothing geared towards this. I just, I went on my intuition and all of those existing chapters, whether it was the military and all the core values and principles instilled yep. from there or the fitness side where I would leverage my social platforms and also um, contributed value that I would put on myself into other brands, leveraging The credibility of saying, hey, I've been on the cover of Men's Fitness, Muscle & Fitness, Ironman, Vanity, um, you name it. Anything in the fitness space I've been on the cover of. And not just in a spread, but literally on the cover. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that value perspective. I was always looking long-term. Guys, if if you get the commonality here, I am always looking long-term.
1: Yep, and even still to this day, we were in the car and you're talking about your family goals, the next 10 years, like the critical components of timing, I I picked it up for
0: sure. So, it's so relative, bro. Like, everything that I do is already preconditioned and planned out. And so, you know, dude, I already have an exit in mind for Redline, even before I was even like, I knew that Redline's Steel would be a multi-billion dollar exit within a time period. And yeah. so always having those time periods in place. So the reason yeah. why I got... So you asked me a question. I thought it was super relevant is, you know, why transition from the fitness side into the entrepreneur side? And what was yeah. that? What did that transition look like? Yeah. And so for me, what I looked at was, where's the longevity? What is the liability? Mm-hmm. I've got an eight-year-old son. Um, I've got three kids now. So I've got a two-year-old daughter, a three-month-old daughter, and then an eight-year-old son. Now, when I was going through the fitness side, I, I obviously had my son because yep. um, I was still in the military when I had him. And what I looked at was where is, what happens if I get hit by a car tomorrow and my, I'm missing this whole arm, my right arm. Yeah. It's just gone. And half my face is messed up yeah what happened right so that's a scary place to be yeah when you can like in terms I, of the modeling aspect yes and just exactly. that industry everything is reliant on my looks yeah. that's a problem that's a liability and I'm not looking ahead Yep. so what I what I thought about was like alright if this was to happen I've got a son that depends on me I've got a wife that doesn't work that's a stay-at-home mom that relies on me what am I gonna do like this is i've only got a high school diploma or ged like I, you know I, I can't go and get another job that's going to pay multiple six figures so like it's it was a big challenge internally where i was like all right what else can i do and so it was honestly like my wife that was challenging me to say you need to get out of the fit i don't know what you're going to do but you need to get out of fitness modeling and look at other things like don't mm-hmm. just stay stagnant with yeah. it and so she was right, I, I, so I started Redline Steel and it was um, initially, all I was gonna do was just be a consultant. It ended up evolving and I started to build out an entire business plan, I saw the market opportunity and wanted to go after it. And I put in an offer, I'm not gonna go into all the details but I, I did put in an offer with the pre-existing company. The day we were supposed to sign, he ended up backing out and so I ended up using that fuel Mm-hmm. And firing it internally to grow my own business. And so, you know, here it is. I created a business plan for this pre-existing company. Yep. And then the business plan shifts just like that. Yep. Now I've got to figure out how to make it. i got to figure out how to manufacture it, where to put yep. all of this equipment, get the capital needed to make this all happen. Yep. And so within, you know, 24 hours, the entire thing. But it didn't stop my train of thought. It fueled me 10 times harder. Yeah. I said, all right, I've got something to prove. At this point yeah yeah, and so I use that as as fuel internally to say I'm gonna make this guy I personally want to make it a vendetta that he's gonna regret this decision yeah and so that's you know it's kind of the dark side of it but yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I needed to to leverage it yeah, yeah. So,
1: so so manufacturing as a whole like what, what was the like that industry what made you gravitate towards that in terms of what you're doing now like how did that come about yeah
0: so when I looked at competitor analysis I noticed that this was a massive Um, market opportunity. So virtually anybody, anybody with a home or a friend, right? I could go, I could, so here's the thing guys, when you're creating art, you could go into cannabis space. You could go into the motivational space, kind of like what Iconic's doing and Mark and them. Uh, You could go into sports licensing. You could go into government contracting. I need to use the same equipment into so many different niche verticals and different avatars and different demographics. So I looked at it as a no-brainer. Like and I also said, all right, I wanted to do home decor. There's nobody that's over 10,000 square feet within this space. That is a massive market opportunity. And so that's considered a blue ocean market yep. opportunity. It's kind of like we were talking about with the social influence side, right? Yeah, yeah. Eight years ago, it was wide open. Yes, yeah, so he's you know, just anybody. saw it. He's and saw I just it. saw the opportunity. And so now it's becoming very, very saturated because they've seen the success that I brought with it. Yep. And so, you know, we've shipped, I told you, over 4 million products now. I um, have over a million customers by the end of the year, grossed over $40 million in three years yep. as an e com platform. And um,
1: what was the that being 3 years like what was the the first year the first 6 months cuz i think if people are starting companies now or maybe they're like in the early stages yeah. i want you to break down like the the rate of growth in terms of like what you did in terms of the hiring processes but most importantly like when you started it to the first 3 6 months like what was the foundation you built on? You know, because I think if people are starting businesses today, sure. like how should they look at their first three six months? Because, like you said before, you you're always meticulous with timeframes. Yes. So to do that in such a short short amount of time of three years, I'm sure you had deadlines or you had to hit these numbers by this date. Like, what was your growth strategy moving into the business?
0: So I think it was. A two-part. One was looking into your liabilities from like a, a rent perspective, right? So looking at acquisitions on like, I'm going to be into this space. I would never sign a lease longer than 12 months because I don't know where I'm going to be in 12 months. And I, I know if I'm I'm right here, and our first yep. building was only 5,000 square feet. If I'm still there three years from now, which that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted 36 months. He didn't want to budge. Yeah. And so I said, three years from now, if I'm still in 5,000 square feet. I'm in the wrong bit I don't, I don't even want to be in this business yeah like I messed up yeah so something is wrong <laughs> so I had to renegotiate power of the deal I had to leverage putting more of a down payment to lessen that liability for him yep. and then what I also looked at was well the first six months I was trying to figure out how to turn the damn thing on yeah. I didn't know how to to run a manufacturing like the plasma table how to grind how to powder coat
1: yeah
0: I didn't know what I was doing to be honest so this was a market that I had absolutely no, no reason to be in.
1: Yeah. The, During that time, like, was there frustration and doubt and like, like what was the mentality when you had no idea what you were doing? Driven. Okay. Driven. I was never. I never doubted myself. Okay. Ever.
0: I still don't doubt myself. Yeah. There's still not a day goes by that this won't be a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. So it started with the vision. I knew that this could be a multi-billion dollar company. And I put time limits on it. I said, you know, within seven years, it's going to be a billion dollar company. And same thing I told you at dinner, like yep. offline, off off this podcast, like this is where it's going to be. And this yeah. is what's going to happen. And by the time I'm 40, this is what's going to happen. And yeah. then I'm going to run for Congress or Senator. Yeah, this yeah. is when it's going to happen. Yeah, it's so cool. I, so, I picked up like, on those little cues for sure. Yeah. And, and so all of these things are destined to take place premeditated because I believe in it and you don't doubt yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I think that that's, that's a massive like for any entrepreneur wanting to get started, never second guess yourself or, or, or doubt yourself. You know, when I left a very, I was, I was at the pinnacle of success within the fitness space when I left and I was questioned left and right. Like, what are you like doing? Why? Like, what's do you your leave? little? Yeah, exactly. Like, why are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, and, and, and you know, the first twelve months, we didn't see massive success. Yeah, you know, we did we did less than a million. Well, it's, I, I'm not saying massive success. We did less than a million dollars our first year. So it's like nine hundred eighty nine hundred eighty one thousand dollars yep. we grossed year one. Not massive success. Not horrible, but yeah, yeah. it was enough. Where it was like enough to get your beak wet and be like, <laughs> okay, yeah. this has legs. We can yeah. scale it. Um, what we started to realize was that the The constraints of our manufacturing capabilities to our incoming orders, it became very hard to manage the two. And so that's still a challenge. And so I'm in a very, very unique business model where we control all aspects. So everything within the business from the product development, the creation, the customer service, the uh, lotty dottie everything, the product manufacturing, the fulfillment distribution, the marketing, the... You know everything is done internal, yep. and so that's how you control the growth, and that's also how you have larger exits yep. at the end of the day. You're so, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know it's managing those expectations, but also putting time constraints and time limits. And I'm very, I'm very accountable, and I'm very I hold myself to a high standard. Yep. I, I look at it as so I'm, in, I'm from Alabama, right? So yep. Nick Saban. I look at it as a as a Nick Saban approach. I don't care if we're up a hundred to zero. We missed the field goal. Why did we miss the field goal? Like, we shouldn't have done that. So, there's there's some KPI that's and that's how you make it better. And that's how you make it stronger. And it's not band aid fixes. This happened. What can we do to prevent it from happening again? And this is the outcome that needs to happen. And so, so it's, it's taking those learning lessons, and it takes you. And, dude, it's a pivot, right? You've seen those entrepreneur charts. Oh, shit, yeah, we're doing yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're doing horrible. <laughs> yeah. Why did I do this? And yep. then it goes back up and it goes back down and it's massive low. When there's yep. highs, there's huge highs. When there's lows, there's there's huge lows. And we all go through it. Same with me. Yep. Even, even, no matter what scale. And, guys, the bigger that you get, the more obstacles and things that come in the way. So, you know, within three years, we'll be, you know, over $100 million dollars. Um, annual as a business, and we'll be hitting new challenges that yeah. what today was super stressful three years from now aren't even a thing. That's yeah. not even a worry or a yeah. concern. Yeah. It's like whatever.
1: And so, I think it's just getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. That makes sense. So, so now looking throughout like the last the, the last three years with scaling and hiring, what is your process with that? How do you maintain team culture? Like we were talking about Andy Versella earlier in terms of just what he's built first form wise, and I know you guys have a great relationship. So for you, what, what's it been like to scale to a team of, you said 60 people or around 60? Around like, How do you maintain culture and keep people accountable? Yeah, so that's, that's
0: very difficult, especially when you start getting to certain numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's very important for me from the culture perspective. Uh, I think that by leading from the front and also having all of our leadership uh, accountable and that are also in the trenches with your guys Yep. has so from like a military aspect there were several different styles of leadership i enjoyed the guys that would be there with you and they wouldn't yep. just bark orders but would be there with you so let's say that we had to go and we called it a police calling so it'd be like picking up cigarette butts around it's the little things yeah yeah right so like when my when we're over when we're like uh we've did a massive sale. I'm out there packing boxes with my guys. Yeah. I don't have to. Should I could hire four more people? But it's principle. Yeah. My guys yeah. are up. I'm not going to ask them to work later if I'm not going to stay myself. Yeah. I, like Dan said at dinner, I'm one of the last ones to leave every yeah. day. Do I have to? No, I don't. I don't have to. Honestly, other than Mondays and our Monday morning, like all call meetings and, and some certain like KPI meetings was key, key management. I don't have to be there. Yeah. Like I'm at a point right now where we're scaling into the, the I'm personally scaling into the macro where I can focus on some of the bigger pictures. Yeah. And looking at like massive plays like getting into the drop shipping side, getting into large retailers like Walmart and Cabela's and Amazon and, and, and doing these like uh, speaking events and yeah. you know going to Vegas in three weeks and doing that type of thing. That's a little yeah. bit more intriguing to me. But I st- while I'm home in Alabama I divert and give a hundred percent attention, and I also expect that my leadership would lead from the front as well. Yeah. And so I don't care what your resume says at the end of the day. Like if if we don't. So here here's a perfect example, and I hope she doesn't listen. <laughs> I doubt she would. We hired a CPA um, for the finance side. Okay. And dude, phenomenal resume. Right. She had like five master's degrees. Dan knows. And the first day she was there was, ironically, a Monday. And Mondays yep. are all-call meetings. And so we have all of our key executives and management in a meeting. And so there's about, what, about 10 of us? Nine of us, something like that. Okay. And so we're we're in a an all-call meeting, and we, she's over there, and she's like dozing off, and like, while I'm talking, And, and the, you just
1: hired this, like, phenomenal yeah. resume person.
0: Bro, like, I was so frustrated, because. Like, I don't care what it's, what your resume is at the end of the day. You could be the most talented person in the world, but that's disrespectful. If somebody's talking, give them your, your common courtesy. Yeah. Like don't act like you're about to pass out and go to sleep. Like, and I get everybody's a little bit uniquely different, but that's just one prime example that, and here's another thing. And Dan can contest it. He's videoing right now for those of you who are on audio. So, um, Every, whenever we do these meetings, it's very important that everyone brings notebooks because yep. if I say something that's important or Dan says something or Gary says something or Deborah says something that's important, you need to be able to take accountability of that, note it, and, and yep. log it. And so, so then we also look back, okay, these are certain KPIs. If I tasked you out for something last week, we can report back on it for the following week to make sure that it got done. Yep. You know, I've, had, I've sent people back. And then like called them out in front of everybody. Not intentional, but out of out of out of, I guess, just to prove a point that it's disrespectful to show up without a notebook. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that really makes sense to you. I'm probably not I'm not portraying sure. it right, but at the same time, it's like, I'm gonna do the same. Give me that same common yep. courtesy for me. And so culture is very important, but it's also like for me, I think the biggest thing that we embody is that we're not I From the top to the bottom, we're not too good for it and we're not above it. And we'll do anything and we'll go in the trenches with you and I will outwork everything that you do.
1: That makes so much sense. (laughs) Lead from the front, right? Yeah. Lead from the front. I I have a couple more questions right before we wrap up. And that is, number one, just like throughout the last three years, if there's someone listening that's literally, I would say – I, want, I I sort of want to gear towards your younger self right with you don't you didn't know these chapters in your life you didn't know it was gonna go from the military to this fitness training to this thing on social media becoming super hot and then starting this company like how do you describe those transition moments and how what would you tell to some 18 year old that's listening like what to expect along their journey just in terms of your journey so far
0: so i guess the best way would be to put myself back in my 18 year old self yeah let's hear 18 year old colin what (laughs) would you
1: tell him listening to this
0: so i would just um you know for me i've always so i've never there's several things that i wish i would have done different okay even even four or five years ago like from you know i'd make and like really good money as an influencer but at the end of the day from like a finance perspective and looking at like your overall P&L and your balance sheets, like mm. what do you have to show for it? And so there's certain things that like there's from a long term perspective. Yeah, I bought nice cars, bought nice rims, bought, you know, <laughs> modded all this stuff. But like your bank account says something different. Yep. And so if I could tell my 18-year-old self something, it would be to be smart with your investments. And I, I'm telling myself that right now. Like yeah. there's – now I'm, I'm a little I'm, – I'm at a cushion, right? I've, I've got savings and I've got there's, – there's, yeah. there's contingencies and there's backups. But like I wish that I wouldn't have lived a certain lifestyle for people that didn't necessarily care for me just to portray certain things. Now yep. I'm talking to myself – in third person but just literally a couple of years ago yeah. and the same thing I wish I would have known at 19 or 20 years old yep. um, now I've always been a car guy still love cars and I, that won't go away yeah. I'm still going to but it should be based on like passive income and, and income that's not that, that, that can be disposable that hey if my job were to leave tomorrow yeah. can you sustain another year Yeah, that's a great question can yeah. you do that and I think that if the answer is no you don't need it yeah and if the answer is yes, then go and do it. Yeah. You know, if you want, if you really want it, you truly yeah, want it. For sure. So I think from a financial standpoint, I would tell myself that. And that's not even saying 18 years old. I didn't have, dude, I was on like a Roman noodle diet, bro. Like, you know, I've been <laughs> yeah, on my yeah. own since I was 16. Yeah. Like, my first home, I was like almost, I don't know what you would call it appropriately, but basically in the ghetto. Yeah. Um, Rundown neighborhood, uh, gunfire, like. At um, 16? No, 17. Okay. That's 17. And so, you know, I've been on my own for a while. And so I've been through like what would almost, not even paycheck to pay, beyond that. I don't know what you would call beyond beyond the rock bottom, like paycheck to paycheck where you're in debt and even this paycheck isn't going to pay for what's in debt. Yeah, you're stuck. (laughs) And and yeah, exactly. But I've been there, right? So, but you can get past it. And I didn't know that I would be where I'm at right now in, in 12 years, 13 yeah. years from that point. But at the end of the day, like I just kept moving forward mm-hmm. and kept momentum. And if something worked, I
1: continued to, to, to move forward. That makes sense. And I, I want to sort of end it w- with this before we wrap it up. And that is like, obviously we, we got connected on Instagram, on social media, but you, you've been in this social media game for years now. You, like we said earlier, you're one of the OGs that did it before the algorithm and you yeah. didn't know what you were doing, but it, yeah. it it started to work. And in 2019, as the year's wrapping up and you hear so much stigma, like Oh, is, is social media still working as effectively? as the algorithms like, how are you looking at social media from a personal brand perspective, but then also a company perspective? Because I, I always like to ask that question because I believe, with someone that's had so much experience with social, like, how are you and your team spending time on it? Where do you think the future is with it? And how are you going to adapt and be ready for that?
0: It's a great question. Um, I think that if you're not already connected on all platforms, you need to be and you need to be consistent. Um, I don't do as good of a job as what I used to when this was my only full time job. Yep. So I definitely neglect it. Um, but I do know the importance behind it. So there's a difference between the two. Now it's yep. just personal accountability to ensure that I do it for my personal <laughs> brand. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't need, I don't do it as much as I should, and I know that I should. Now here's the difference. You know, looking back eight years from ago when I started, it's completely different. And yep. so it is a little disheartening to know that what used to be. I would post a picture on Facebook and get seventy five thousand, a hundred thousand likes. Yeah, that's insane. Now I'm lucky to get four thousand or five thousand. It's just, it's, it's, it's not only like embarrassing, but it's also just like, yeah, why even bother? Yeah. Right. At the end of the day. Okay. So from a business perspective, majority of our of our revenue is brought in through actually the paid side. Yep. And so the importance of knowing your avatar and then knowing how to set up a pixel and creating audiences, creating look-like audiences and using that data to bring in not only retargeting, so pre-existing customers, but also brand new leads to your page from a brand awareness and then also from a, a buyer and purchaser perspective. Yep. So those are, so so. that's kind of a two-step. One is for your personal brand, but also I think the Mary as well. Yeah, it's yeah. very important humanizing the brand. When you yeah. look at like, when you look at Tesla, you think about Elon Musk, right? Yep. When you think of like all of the they humanize the brand. so that's kind of like with me with Redline. Yeah, like I've I've showed my family, dude. We did a yeah. I, this was super off the cusp. We did over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars while I was at the hospital giving birth to my my daughter who was six weeks premature on a baby bogo that I had no clue. So I was doing like a vlog literally in the hospital saying yeah. hey guys i had no clue this was gonna happen i'm in the hospital so taking those yeah. but it was like because they already know me as a person they're yep. super like intrigued the engagement was stupid yeah we ran ads to it and you know with a, a phenomenal row as like a 7x 8x row as yep. yep. you know grossed over a quarter million dollars um within two three days yeah and so it's knowing how to connect with your brand from a personal and branded like personal brand relationship yep with them and then also leveraging the data to retarget and then also prospect new customers to your
1: your business pages. Yep. So but they they're they both both very, very important. Got it. All right, just to wrap it up last question. So what would you define moving forward is a you're 30, like you said earlier, you're thirty now and you have these landmarks of time in your life that you want to have goals by I was like what does success look like for you moving forward? With a family now and three kids and management of time and understanding you need to make these smart investments. Like, How do you define success in your future?
0: Man, it's tough. I haven't really thought about it, man. So this is kind of catching me off guard. (laughs) Um, So for me, I I mean, it's just like living life on your own terms but without stress, right? At the end of the day, like when you look at most – like relationships, the communication is, is one of the hardest downfalls for most relationships. And also, to yep. take it a step further, a lot of times it's financial constraints that are causing the tension to begin with. Yep. So financially being free, but also from a communication aspect with my family, with my wife, with my key executives, as long as there's an open dialogue and an open communication workflow... And also a financial stability where I know I'm taken care of and also my employees and my key executives know that they're fine and there's no worries, then it creates an atmosphere of that true success where there's not necessarily a massive stress level where we can adapt to anything that comes our way, but we can pivot without, hey, if we take a down quarter, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. We have... KPIs, we have savings that will sustain us for another 12 to 18 months without any issues. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of what I'm looking at, like from a 30s perspective, like, and it's a little unique. Everybody's going to be a little bit different. But, you know, the communication workflow as well as the financial stability to say that if something were to happen, let's just say, okay, perfect example, (laughs) Google went down on one of their main servers, which affected so many different platforms. It yeah. affected Shopify. It affected uh, Google AdWords. It affected so many different things. Um, and that was a massive play. There's our e-com. Yeah. What happened? Well, we're 100% direct to consumer. If it would have been down, let's say it's a cyber attack. Yeah. Another country did this and wiped our entire data center off. And I was offline for 30 days, 90 days, 60 days, whatever. What's going to happen? Right? Those are the things
1: that
0: yeah. – that will that, truly define your success yep. is to say without knowing that this is going to happen. Nobody can predict that. Yep. I can't predict it. I have no clue what's going to happen. But if I can say, okay, if this were to happen – it's the same thing like while I was in the fitness, saying if I were to get hit by yeah, a car, yeah. what would happen? And, and so it's those and, premeditated things yep. that I'm and, constantly thinking about to make sure that
1: I can negate those – those obstacles before they even become obstacles. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So really man, con I, I wanna end here, man. Just where's the best place that people can learn more about your story and your journey? Obviously we've been talking about social media the whole time. So if they want to follow you and get more connected with Redline and yourself or yeah. everything you got going on, the events, like what's the best place for them to connect?
0: Yeah, so um our website redlinesteel.com, you can check out some of our products. Everything's made in America. Um they're awesome products. We put a lot of of you know, literally blood, sweat, tears into each yeah. one. Uh, so much work that goes into it. My personal uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. If you look up Colin Wayne One, uh, that's me on, and they're all verified platforms. Yep. Um, Facebook, just look up Colin Wayne. YouTube's Colin Wayne. So you just look me up, and you'll got you'll it. See and me and I'll link
1: it all below for sure. I mean. Last but not least, Colin. I know this is our first time connected. I feel like we did a pre-podcast before yeah. the podcast. We've been talking all night, and I know uh, it's getting late now. So I definitely appreciate your time. Appreciate just the the information, not only from a military aspect, but I believe like the story itself, how you got to where you were, truly impacted me for sure, man. So awesome. thank you so much, yeah, brother, for, for sure. sure. Man. Thank yeah. you, everyone, thank listening. You. Make sure you go follow Colin. All the links will be down below. And other than that, make sure you subscribe. I will talk to you guys soon.